the sun had started its slow burning run down the sky. The old man could see beer cans lying in the ditches, where a thin green scum nourished the tan sage grass that grew there. He was very thirsty, but there was no prospect of any kind of drink within sight. He, who rarely drank water, was almost ready to cry out for some now. He had his head down, plodding along like a mule in harness, and he walked very slowly into the back of his wife, where she had stopped in the middle of the road. Why, yonder's some beer, she said, pointing. He started to raise some curse against her without even looking, but then he looked. She was still pointing. Where, he said. His eyes moved wildly in his head. Right yonder. He looked where she was pointing and saw three or four bright red and white cans nestled among the grasses like Easter eggs. He stepped carefully down into the ditch, watchful for snakes. He stepped closer and stopped. Why, good God, he said. He bent and picked up a full can of Budweiser that was slathered with mud and slightly dented, unopened and still drinkable. A little joyous smile briefly creased his face. He put the beer in a pocket of his overalls and turned slowly in the weeds. He picked up two more, both full, and stood there for a while searching for more. But three were all this wonderful ditch would yield. He climbed back out and put one of the beers in another pocket. Somebody done throw this beer away, he said, looking at it. His family watched him. I guess you're going to drink it, the woman said. Finders keepers. There ain't a fucking thing wrong with it. How come em to throw it away, then? I don't know. Well, she said, just don't you give him none of it. I ain't about to give him none of it. The woman turned and started walking away. The boy waited. He stood mute and patient with his armload of things. His father opened the can and foam exploded from it. It ran down over the sides and over his hand, and he sucked at the thick white suds with a delicate slobbering noise and trembling pursed lips. He tilted the can and poured the hot beer down his throat, leaning his head back with his eyes closed and one rough red hand hanging loose by his side. A lump of gristle in his neck pumped up and down until he trailed the can away from his mouth with his face still turned up, one drop of beer falling away from the can before it was flung, spinning, backward into the ditch. He started walking again. The boy shifted his gear higher and stepped off after him. What's beer taste like? he said as the old man wiped his mouth. Beer. I know that, but what's it taste like? I don't know, shit. It just tastes like beer. Don't ask so many fucking questions. I need to hire somebody full-time just to answer your questions. The woman and the girls had gone ahead by two hundred feet. The old man and the boy had not gone more than a hundred feet before he opened the second beer. He drank it more slowly, walking, making four or five drinks of it. By the time they got to the foot of the first hill, he had drunk all three. It was that part of the evening when the sun is gone, but daylight still remains. The whippoorwills called to each other and moved about, 
and the choirs of frogs had assembled in the ditches to sing their melancholy songs. Bats scurried overhead, swift and gone in the gathering dusk. The boy didn't know where he and his family were, other than one name, Mississippi. In the cooling evening light, they turned off onto a gravel road, their reasons unspoken or merely obscure. Wilder country here, also unpeopled, with snagged wire and rotten posts encompassing regions of Johnson grass and bitterweed, the grim woods holding secrets on each side. They walked up the road, the dust falling over their footprints. A coyote lifted one thin, broken scream down in the bottom. Somewhere beyond the stands of cane, they could see a faint green at the end of the plowed ground. They turned in on a field road at the base of a soapstone hill and followed it, stepping around washed-out places in the ground, past pine trees standing like lonely sentinels, where doves flew out singing on gray-feathered wings, and by patches of bracken where unseen things scurried off noisily through the brush. You know where you at? said the woman. The old man didn't even look at her. Do you? I'm just following you. Well, shut up then. She did. They went over the last hill, and here the whole bottom was open before them. The weak light that remained stretching far down across an immense expanse of land that had been plowed but not yet planted. They could see all the way to the river, where the trees stood black and solid. It's a river bottom, said the boy. Well, shit, said the old man. Can't cross no river, the woman said. I know it. Not in the dark. The old man glanced at her in the falling light, and she looked away. He looked around. Well, hell, he said. It's about dark. Y'all see if you can find us some wood and we'll build us a fire. The boy and the two girls put everything they had on the ground. The girls found some dead pine tops next to an old fence, and they pulled them whole into the road and began breaking them into pieces small enough to burn. See if you can find us a pine knot, he told the boy. The boy left, and they could hear him breaking through the brush up the hill. When he came back, he was dragging a gray hunk of wood with one hand and carrying in the other some dead branches. He threw all this down and started off for more. The old man squatted in the dust of the road and began to roll a cigarette. His attention focused finely, aware of nothing but the little task at hand. The woman was still standing with her arms clutched about her, hearing something out there in the dark that maybe spoke to no ear but her own. The boy came back with another load and said, Let me see your knife. The old man fished out a broken-bladed case, and the boy fell to shaving thin orange peelings of wood away from the pine knot. He drew the blade down, breaking the chips off close to the base. When he had a good handful whittled, he arranged them in some unseen formation of his own devising in the powdered gray dust. Let me see some of them little sticks, he told his little sister. She passed across a bundle of brittle tinder, and he set this around and above the pine chips. He drew a box of matches from his pocket and struck one. In the little fire that flared, 
His face loomed out of the dark, curiously intense and dirty, his hands needlessly cupping the small flame. He touched it to one of the chips, and a tiny yellow blade curled up, a tendril of black smoke above it like a thick waving hair. That stuff's rich as six foot up a bull's ass, the old man said. The little scrap of wood began sizzling, and the resin boiled out in black bubbles, the flames eating their way up. The boy picked up another one from the pile and held it over the fire, got it caught, and added it to the fire. One of the sticks popped and burst into flame. Give me some of them a little bigger, he said. She handed them. They smiled at each other, he and little sister. Now they began to be drawn out of the coming dark, the five of them hunched around the fire with their arms on their knees. He fed the sticks one by one into the fire, and soon it was crackling and growing, and red embers were breaking off and falling into little beds of coals already forming. He kept feeding it, jostling and poking it. He got down on his knees and lowered his face sideways to the fire and began to blow on it. Like a bellows, he gave it air, and it responded. The fire rushed over the sticks, burned higher in the night. Y'all go on and put some of them big ones on it, he said, getting up. I'll go up here and get some more. The girls hauled limbs and piled them on the fire. Soon there were red sparks launching up into the smoke. The stars came out and enveloped them in their makeshift camp. They sat under a black skyscape, beside woods alive with noise. The bullfrogs on the creeks that fed the river were hoarse.